It was an epic time. You know, also, uh, just a, a few weeks ago, Debbie and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. Come on. How awesome is that? And so uh, we have a couple in the first service who sits right here who has who, who just celebrated 50. They're exactly 20 years ahead of us. And I just was thinking about, like, how did we reach 30? Like, how in the world did that happen? First of all, I hope when you heard that, you thought, Stephen, you don't look that old. Is that what you thought? I hope so. <laughs> I hope you thought that. But uh, I started thinking through some of the reasons. Number one, it's, man, just God's grace. Right, Just God's grace in our family, and especially given some of the uh, history that our families have, some of our extended family, that it's just the grace of God that we've been able to just have such a life-giving marriage. The second reason I thought of is because she is so easy to be married to, and I'm such a disaster, um, that for her to be able to put up with my freakish habits and uh, quirks and all that is is an amazing act of the Lord. So thank you, Debbie. And um, uh, for an introvert to have to have her husband stand up on stage and tell stories about her. That's pretty difficult. And so she's awesome at that. The third reason I thought of is we have such an incredible staff. We have such an incredible staff that carries so much of the weight. So, for instance, while we were out, you know, we have Joey McLaughlin, the games people play. Come on, right? What? Y'all weren't here for that? Come on, man. Talking about pride and idols. And he always challenges me and pushes me to be better. We had Joe Baker coming in with volunteer push, 100 volunteers. Yes. And then we had Jason kind of kick off this series for the love, yeah, of God. And so this is going to be interactive today. And the first service was just, quite frankly, a lot better than you. So we're going to practice right here. Let's just, let's just clap one time like we care. Come on. All right. That's good. All right, all right, all right. I think you went ahead. You pulled ahead. You're in the lead. I'll keep you posted how you're doing throughout the rest of the message. So start out with a story just in this series. Um, I had this friend in, in, in kindergarten. His name was Chet Barnes. I know some of you guys may remember your, the friends you had in kindergarten. Maybe you had a special pal. Maybe somebody, anybody remember their friend in kindergarten? Maybe you had a special friend. Yeah. You know, and my mom would get together with his mom and we would play and we'd go to the playground and we were in his kindergarten class together. Now, Chet had this brown mop hair. You know, when it was a bowl cut, you remember the bowl cut guys back when we had hair and it was go about right here. He could barely see out from under his bowl cut and it was just this thick brown hair. So one day we're doing crafts in kindergarten and you know, those, those scissors that have little rounded edges and they don't cut anything, right? I found out they could cut Chet's hair. <laughs> so I looked at his hair and I thought, hmm, I, I, I should cut his hair. So even though it wouldn't cut my construction paper, it cut Chet's hair. Now, now, when I say I cut Chet's hair, I didn't just trim the back. I didn't just trim around his ears. I trimmed it up to his hairline right in front, right? And so because Chet had this long brown hair, his forehead was as white as snow. And so all of a sudden now, Chet's coming down the hall. He looks like a freight train coming down a tunnel at the moment. And so I get home. And, uh, you know, and, and the teacher wants to talk to me about cutting Chet's hair. Now, here's, the, here's another problem. The problem was my mom was the teacher. And so Chet's mom calls my mom, and my mom calls me in the kitchen. And she said, did you cut Chet's hair? And I'm like, yes, ma'am, I cut Chet's hair. And she says, why did you cut Chet's hair? I had this brilliant response, y'all. Because? Be- because? Just... Just because, have you ever had someone just answer your question, because? It is so frustrating, isn't it? 
It feels like you're at a red light and there's a car in front of you and the light turns green and they don't go. And you're just like, want to honk your horn, but you know that people know you around town. You got a Stone Creek sticker on. I can't do that. And so here's what you do. You think they're going to hear you because I see you in the car going. (laughs) Right? You're wanting them to go because you're just so frustrated. There's this tension that happens because. And, and, and because, because it's not just the end of the answer, what, do we, what question do we always ask if someone says because? Because, because why? My mom says, because why? And I had no good answer. And in life, sometimes we do things just because. We need to understand why. And specifically today, we want to unpack, why do I choose Jesus? Why Jesus? So we're going to look at the book of 1 John in our Bibles. So let's grab our Bibles. We're going to open them up to 1 John. Why Jesus? Now, now, now John... Just a little bit of, uh, of background on this guy named John who wrote the Bible and a little bit about how the Bible is organized. Now, John was one of Jesus' three closest followers, okay? He had, Matt, he had Peter, James, and John. John had this nickname called Sons of Thunder. I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Amazing nickname. Guys, am I right? Wouldn't you love to be called Sons of Thunder? Right? Just an incredible nickname. And so John wrote four books of the Bible. I want to explain these real quick. One is called the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is just the biography of Jesus. It's just what John's experience was with him when he was here on earth. And so that's the Gospel of John. But then there are these letters that John wrote that are in the Bible, letters to churches. And they're very creatively named, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. That's how you know, not the gospel of John, but the letters of John. John wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. So the book that we're looking at over the course of this series is 1 John. You can go online. We have a study guide. We have questions. We have a reading plan, all that. 1 John. Now, 1 John is written to a church that has come off the rails. Now, you would think somebody like John, who was with Jesus, he started following Jesus when he was like 18, 19, and now he's later in his life, he's getting close to 100. He's kind of writing this letter to his church. You would think that, man, this would be a mega church. John's been on the speaking circuit. He's got his book tour going. He's launched his podcast, but nothing could be further from the truth. His church has come off the rails, and specifically, they had some faulty thinking about who Jesus was. They had become to diverge. They had lost their why. And so John wants to lean into them a little bit. So as John's writing this letter, it's, all, it's like he just kind of takes a step back. And he calls time out. And he says, wait just a minute. Let me, let me fill in some blanks for you. Let me define our because. Let me answer the because why questions that we have. Because we all need to be on the same page. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of read through his little his little uh, reorientation, recalibration passage that has all these because statements in it. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to address three specifically that can help all of us as we understand what it means to follow Jesus, whether you're following him now or you want to follow him or don't, not sure. This will help bring some clarification. So in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, he says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, Because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Then he kind of reiterates what he's just said. I write to you, children. 
because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know who, him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome, you have won, you have victory over the evil one. So here we see John with these, these big because statements all throughout the passage. Then he fills in the why. Now John starts out by, by the word says, I am writing to you. It's the first thing he says, I am writing to you. And because he wants everybody to know why they are, he is writing to you. It's as if someone says like, John, why are you writing to us? Like, we don't know. And so he wants to be really clear on why he's writing. Because John knows that if you miss this, you miss everything. He knows that if you get off by one degree on your why, you get off by one degree on a long journey, you're going to be way off by the time you get to the end. So think of it like this. If you start a journey and you're one degree off and you take one step, you're roughly a quarter inch off. Okay, you can recover a quarter inch, but let's say you're in San Francisco and you're going to go to Washington, D.C., and you're one degree off. You land in Baltimore, Maryland, and trust me, we all know the crime rate in Baltimore. That's not where you want to go. If you started in Washington, flew around the world, and you were one degree off, and you wanted to land back in Washington, you actually would land in Boston, you would be 400 miles off target. If you were to start and be one degree off and fly to the moon, excuse me, to the sun, you would miss the sun by 2 million miles. See, see what John knows is one degree is important. Your why is important. Because if you lose your why, you lose your way. If you lose your why, you lose your way. If you find your why, you find your way. Like, like think about this in the context of marriage. You know, couples will come to me and say, Stephen, we want to get married. Would you, would you officiate the wedding? I'm like, well, well, tell me why you want to get married. Very interesting question. Well, you know what? He just gives me butterflies, and, and I just want to be around him all the time. And, you know, and I'm like, do you know what happens to butterflies? They die. That's what happens to them. <laughs> Or what about this? But they, but they come back. They come back. They can come back. They can come back. So what about this one? It's like, oh, you know, Stephen, he completes me. Like, you've watched way too much Jerry Maguire. Like, nobody, you know? And if we don't have a, a why that can pull us into the future, what happens is somebody else is going to give you butterflies. What happens, all of a sudden, somebody else is going to complete you more than your current spouse completes you. And where are you headed? You're going to lose your way. You're going to lose your way. So you have to have a why that's going to pull you into the future. You have to have a why that says something about who you are and what you want to see at the end of your life. You have to have a why that is strong enough. Like for our students that are headed to college, going to college, sometimes you get to college and you lose your why. Some of us went to college and guess what? We lost our why, didn't we? And we lost our way. And if you get to college and you're not sure why you're there, and you think you're there just to maybe go to class and then party, then that's going to be a problem. You're going to lose your way. Like what about when it comes to losing weight? Have you ever had somebody say, I need to lose some weight. Why do you need to lose weight? Well, my, my class reunion's in two months. i gotta, I got to kind of get things snapped back in place. Right? Guess what happens after that reunion is over? Right? You blow up like a balloon again. <laughs> we have to be clear on the why. Why? You find your why. You find your Way. And here's what John knows about the, the why of following Jesus. It's not going to cost you a foot. It's not going to cost you a mile. It's not going to cost you a million miles. 
It will cost you an eternity. Find your why. Then then John begins to unpack this why with these because statements. The first one, he says is this. I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Now, Now John has used three terms. He's addressed people with children, fathers, and young men. Okay, children, fathers, and young men. And he's talking about maturity classifications, children who maybe have just started, you know, fathers who may be a little more mature, young men who are strong. And so, but, but his point is, I want to cover everybody. These are things that everybody needs to know. These are foundational elements. And the one he starts with is the forgiveness of sins. Now, Jason hit a little bit on this last week. And hopefully, when every time you turned the light on this week, you thought to myself, more Jesus, less sin. That's what Jason taught us last week. But, hope, but he, he, again, continues to talk about forgiveness of sins. Now, sin is one of those words. It's kind of lost a little bit of, uh, we, don't, we don't really like to use it. Because it feels like um, this label, doesn't it? Do you, some of you guys in high school, you read the Scarlet Letter. Anybody read the Scarlet Letter? Okay, so what happened in the Scarlet Letter was basically this girl who'd been caught in adultery, right? She ends up with wearing this big red A on her, on her uh, white, uh, or at least that's the way it was in the movie, um, on her white uh, dress, right? Just kind of marked out for everybody to see. And when we hear the word sinner, many times, this is how we process it. So we don't like to use it. It doesn't feel like politically correct, especially in our culture, because we're in a culture where everybody gets a trophy, right? And we don't want to call anybody out for not measuring up. And calling sinners seems like this label that we put on people who are defective and deficient. And it feels like judgment. And that's not the way we really should process. So what we've done is we've kind of changed the words that we use for sin. And we'll say things like, just a mistake. It's just a mistake. Clearly, it was a mistake. I get that. It was a mistake. But the primary thing was, is it was sin, right? We'll say, man, it's just, this, it's just a syndrome that I have. And there, there must be a pill for that. I can take a pill and fix that rather than calling it what it is. And the truth is, when we do that, when we diminish the effect of sin, it's telling, it affects our hearts because we all know that something's wrong, don't we? We know something's wrong, number one, on a grand scale in the world. Like things clearly don't work like they should. We see it in nature with earthquakes and hurricanes. We see it, we see it in, uh, in the way that people treat each other with genocide and we see different wars that start, and we see hate. Like, we see, we know it. But we also know it on a personal level. We also know something's not right. We also, I don't always do the things I want to do. Sometimes I do things I don't want to do. And sometimes I don't do the things I know I should do. And we know that there's this internal struggle. Have you ever looked back on your life and think, wish I wouldn't have said that? Ever happened? You said something, and you're like, oh, oh it's gone now. You can't put that toothpaste back in the tube, can you? Have you ever done something? You're like, ask yourself the question like, why did I do that? Or better yet, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Like we've all had this experience where we've done things. And without a category, without a mechanism to do something with that, we're going to be left bankrupt. We're going to be left always searching, full of insecurity and anxiety, without, without understanding that we need to be able to do something with that. Because here, let me just define sin for us real quick. Now, sin is anything that you think, say, or do that breaks God's heart because it breaks God's law. So anything that you think, Jesus kind of reoriented us to, 
what our, our thought life, because he would say, hey, if you hate somebody, you kill them. And clearly, you didn't physically kill him, but he, he's talking about motivations and heart direction. If you lusted after a woman, then you committed adultery, that kind of thing. Anything you think, say, well, I've established the fact that we'll say things that aren't true or do. Man, if you lie, if you steal, there's a, there's a lot of categories there. It breaks God's heart. First and foremost, it breaks God's heart because it breaks God's laws. The reason God has given us some laws is not so that we'll work really hard to follow them, but because they're what's good for us. There is a way that the world works, and God knows. And he has set parameters for us to follow. And when we don't follow them, he, he, he's, he's upset that we didn't follow the law, but he's more upset that we didn't trust that he had good for us. And so this is what sin is. And when we think it's just a mistake or a syndrome, guess what? We'll just try harder. You know that thing that you do, don't you think, today I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get up. I'm going to try hard. I'm going to get out. I'm going to eat a good breakfast. I'm going to get off on the right foot. I'm going to do things right. I'm going to be more disciplined. I'm going to work harder. And it never seems to work. But we have the solution in the verse. He says, I'm writing to you because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Like, this is good news. Like, Jesus has attached his name to our forgiveness of sin. It's not based on what I do. It's based on what he has already done. Like, I don't love Jesus so he will forgive my sins. I love Jesus because he has forgiven my sin. He has taken his name and stamped it on this. His legacy is at stake. This is what he wants to be known for. You know, there are some of you guys and uh, ladies that, that you, you run a department or uh, a team at your job. And every now and then you'll have a project and you got to pull everybody in. you got to pull finance in, you got to pull operations in, you got to pull sales in, you got to pull marketing in, you got to pull administrative finances in. So you got to pull all of them together. But the client has your name. They know that you're on the hook. So what you're going to do is you're going to be sure that everybody gets the job done because your name is attached to that. And this is what Jesus has done. He has attached his name to our forgiveness of sin so that our past can't hold us down any longer. So the thing that you wake up thinking about that you did, that regret, that shame, or that insecurity you seem to feel, do I fit in? Do I measure up? Am I good enough? Will people like me? What do they think of me? All those voices in your head that remind you of the things that you did wrong, gone, eradicated, erased, completely destroyed, because we have forgiveness of sin. It has no hold over us anymore. And John knows that his hearers need to remember this, that this is foundational to what it means to follow Jesus. I follow Jesus because he forgives my sin. He forgives my sin. This is first and foremost, and this is good news. And then John continues to go on, um, and he talks about this idea about being from the beginning. He says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. Now, now John always has this, um, this fascination with the fact that Jesus preexisted, that Jesus has always been here. And John talks about it regularly. There's another place in the Bible that deals with it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. It says, he is before all things. All things. Like before all things. Like anything you can think of, guess what? He's before. He's before. So, so let's just let, let's talk, think of it this way. M- most of us have uh, an iPhone or a, another uh, lesser, lesser brand, but most of us have one. Um, and basically, it's a supercomputer we can hold in our hand, right? Anybody remember what it was like before then? Anybody remember that? Anybody have a flip phone? 
right? Some of you had a flip phone, so you, you, you can tell us what a flip phone was like because you were there. You were before the iPhone. What about before the flip phone? Anybody have a bag phone? Anybody remember that? Some of you guys had a bag phone. And so literally that was a mobile phone that was in a bag. It was about this big and you put it in your trunk. No, but literally, so you could tell us about a bag phone. Like before a bag phone, how many, how, how many people remember before that there was a, what was called a landline? Anybody remember that? Right? Hey, 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 any, anybody still got a landline? Okay, come on. There you go. Right? Right. A landline. It's this hardwired phone. It's, you know, it's in your house. And so some of you guys still have one. And some of you guys, in other words, you're paying money. You can be given to the church. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but you have a landline. Now, you can tell us what it's like. Before the landline, before you had a landline, a personal landline, you had what's called a party line. Anybody remember this? Anybody, a couple people, okay, a party line. Some of you have no idea. I'm going to explain it to you the best I can because it was before me. So I had an experience that I probably should have you come up here and tell us about it. However, so a party line was like a certain, let's call it a neighborhood or a group of houses. They would have one line they could pick up in their house. Everybody could hear the conversation, right? Every, I'm not kidding, right? Every house, everything, right? See, we thought social media started with Facebook. It started with party lines where everybody could hear your business, you know? And so you have party lines. Some of you guys know what that was like. Before party lines, what do we have? You had the telegraph, I guess. Like how many of you around when that was around? Yeah, okay. Some genius on the front row who needs to be in college already. Um, before, before the telegraph, right, you had handwritten letters. Before that, you had hieroglyphics. There was always something before. And if you were there before, you can tell us about it. Because you experienced it. Jesus was before everything. Jesus was before everything. Jesus was before there was oceans and mountains. Jesus was before there was Greek culture or the Roman government. Jesus was before there were dinosaurs or human beings. Jesus was before stars and galaxies. Jesus was before Alexa and Google and Siri. Jesus was before sliced bread and Krispy Kreme. Jesus was before our favorite fads, Segway, the Rubik's Cube. Yeah, see, I wasn't there for that either, obviously. He was there before leg warmers, like Jesus was there. Jesus was there before you were born. He knows when you were created. He was there when the world was created. Everything was created by him, for him, and through him. Therefore, he knows about it all. He is wisdom. Like, why would we go anywhere else than to someone who was in the beginning? Why would we turn to other gods, other experts? Why wouldn't we put all of our money on following Jesus? He has been he will be. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the bright and morning star, as we read that John writes about another place in the Bible. This is the Jesus that we follow. And John says, don't forget it. Do not forget it. He's from the beginning. And what I love about it is that he says, you know him, right? You know him. And what he means by know is like, I don't know just some facts about him. I don't know just the fact that he was, you know, 5'11 with brown hair and a beard, wore sandals and a toga. Like he's not, he's, he means you have working knowledge. You have this understanding of how he thinks. Because he was from the beginning, he is wisdom. And because he wants to give it to us by knowing him, by spending time with him. And usually that happens over a long period of time. 
we come to know him, how he operates, what he thinks, what he wants from us. This is how we know him. You know, I was thinking about this in the context of marriage. So when you're married for 30 years, or one year for that matter, uh, 10 years, 30 years, the longer you're with someone, the more you begin to think like them, right? You begin to understand them. And so there are times that I don't get this concept because Debbie will be thinking something, then she'll look at me and she's like, why don't you know what I'm thinking? I'm like, baby, because I'm stupid. I'm sorry. And she says, well, I know what you're thinking. I'm like, what? She says, what guys think about all the time. That's generally what she says to me. That was funny. You didn't laugh. <laughs> right? There's something about over time getting to know someone. And this is, what, this is what John says. You know him. Don't forget your why. This is because he has been from the beginning. So our third one, he says this. He says, I follow Jesus because I know him who is from the beginning. He is the place, the fountain of wisdom, of purpose. He's the place where we have access to God. He has been from the beginning. And then there's this third one that we should look at. This is the right to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. You're strong. The word of God abides in you. And then watch what he says. You have overcome the evil one. That word for overcome is where Nike gets its uh, name. It means victory. It means win. Here's what he's saying. You win. You have victory. I'm writing to you. Don't forget this. You have victory. Now, specifically, he says, over the evil one. And, and, and so, so I can be clear on who the evil one is. Can we say Satan, right? Like a lot of times we're like, you want to talk about Satan? It's like, yeah, 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 I get that. Like we don't want to talk about it because it feels like it's going to open up some darkness in our life as if it doesn't exist. It's a little bit like the guy who um, won't go to the doctor. It's like, you know, I've got this pain. Well, you should go to the doctor. Well, I don't want to go to the doctor. Why not? Well, he may tell me what's wrong with me. Yeah, that's brilliant, right? And that's usually guys, ladies, y'all never do that, I know, because you're smarter. Um, but to not talk about it is really dismissing something that's r- real. So when you see evil one, you call him Satan, you may call him the devil, you may call him demons. I would never call him your mother-in-law. <laughs> or, but maybe I would, I don't know. But we're talking about Satan. And so just to unpack this a little bit to make it a little less weird. So we've already established there's evil in the world. Okay, nobody will deny that. There is evil in the world. We can read uh, the news. We can hear stories about our friends. We can look at our own life. There's evil in the world. Because there's evil in the world, we know that there's a person behind that. It's not just this generic evil. You know, it's not just this haze of evil that happens. It's specifically behind a person. And because that person is Satan, we're in a world at war. You know, at the escape, the theme was, I declare war. I declare war, war against thoughts that would take me away from God's plan for me, war against actions that aren't his best for me, war against evil that's keeping us from experiencing who God is and the goodness of his love for us. I declare war. Because life, there are days it may be a playground, but every day it's a battleground. There may be some days life can be a playground, but every day it's a battleground. It's this war that we fight. It's this battle that happens. We see it throughout the Bible, just this theme of war. You know that when you you read your Bible, there's a couple of different names for God. And one of them is Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Lord. Literally, that means the God of angel armies. The God of angel armies. Paul writes that we put on, we put on the armor of God. Do you know what you need armor for? A fight. A fight. 
And he delineates how we look at it. He says our, our enemies, they're not, they're not physical in nature, but spiritual. And Paul talks about this. There are spiritual enemies out there that seek to come after us. Now, one of the primary ways they get us is through temptation. Like, you think you know what your weaknesses are? Satan knows them probably better. He knows what to put in front of you. He knows what thought to kind of float through your mind. He knows the things that you're sensitive to falling to. He knows where you're prone to be weak. He knows the times when you're tired and more more likely to fall. He knows your temptations. And he can just use the battle for your mind as the battleground to steal your soul. And so Paul's like, you, you win. You have victory. You're, you're able to overcome this. And he tells us how. It's by the power of God's word inside of you. He says, the word of God abides in you. It means it lives in you. It takes up root in you. It's growing in you. And because we know him who's from the beginning with all wisdom, we have God's word that can help us understand what it means and the tactics we need to overcome the evil one. This is, this is the third why that John has for those that he's writing to. We actually win. And one of the things I like to say is that a lot of times you, you have regrets. And you may wake up in the morning or you may even, even now as I'm talking, you're thinking about that thing you did, that thing you said, that, 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 that action you took you hope nobody finds out about. A lot of times that, those things come against you. And here's kind of how Satan works. He's going to make you think, you're terrible. You're a failure. What if everybody knew that about you. This is how Satan operates. You see, Satan will use your past against you. But Jesus, on the other hand, because we're forgiven, because we have overcome, because we have victory, because he is all wisdom, he'll take our past and he will use it for us. God will take your pain, he will take your shame and your guilt, he will restore it and use it for his glory and for your good. Don't let Satan with your faulty thinking, hold you back. I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus because he gives me victory. Jesus gives us victory. You know, one of the reasons that I love Jesus is because man, he was so clear on his purpose. He was so clear on his why. He was able to define his because. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. It says, we look to Jesus, the founder beginning, perfecter, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Like what kind of joy could that be that you would endure a cross? Like what kind of joy would have to be on the other side of that? Despising the shame of being humiliated, murdered, executed, spit on, falsely accused, uh, turned on, despised the shame and he's seated at the right hand of God. Like, what is that joy? What, what kind of joy did he have that was able to pull him into that future? And that joy is us. Jesus, why? Me and you. So our why has to be him. His why was us. He loves us so deeply. He sacrificed. He put his name on. His name was at stake. How could we do anything else but just continue to understand why we follow him? Why? He's forgiven us of our sins. Maybe there's a past that seems to hold you back. 
There's this anxiety and insecurity that you live in. Maybe you're just floundering, trying to figure out what your life's supposed to be about. Maybe, just maybe, those thoughts that you have, you can't seem to shake. Another counseling session isn't, gonna, isn't what you need. Uh, 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 more medication isn't going to solve the problem. Maybe you need God to speak directly into your heart and change you. He's from the beginning. He can do that. Now, in your, car, in your seat, you have a card that says, My Because. Everybody grab that real quick. My Because. know, we just want to take a moment right now just to remind ourselves why we follow Jesus. You know, and so for some of you, you can look at it and you can, you've got a pen, you can go ahead and write it down in those lines. You, maybe it's, he released me from my addiction. He restored my marriage. He gave me a second chance. He gave me peace in the storm. He restored my joy. Like you may already know what it is and why. Today's the day just to kind of recalibrate around that. You know, for some of you, you may be waiting. Like, I, I know what I need, but it's not here yet. I need faith to believe it. Man, I know, I know what I want my why to be, and I need him to come through for me. Hey, let's just take a moment in faith just to write that down. Let's believe that God's going to heal. Let's believe that God's going to restore. Let's believe that God's going to repair that relationship. Let's believe it. And don't let your past continue to haunt you down. Make your why him. Make your why him. So take a minute. Just in this, in these, as we let's just bow our heads for just a moment. As you just kind of take a moment, just to write down your why. My because I love Jesus because He is a beautiful Savior. Because when nobody showed up to show me how to be a man, Jesus was there. Because He has forgiven my sins gives me a place at his table. He honors me with value and purpose and discipline because I don't have to live with the insecurity of a broken life, but with the confidence of a whole heart. Because I can have power over my weaknesses as he transforms me. I can have purpose in my strengths as he uses them for his glory. And I can have peace in the battleground as he leads me because he gave his life for me. That's my because. So take your because, let's remember why. Because when you find your why, you find your way. Let me pray for us. So God, we know that life can bring turmoil and chaos and we can move from sadness to joy in a matter of seconds you are stable. You pull us into the future. You're the ultimate why. You're the reason for our existence. You've existed before. You're the ultimate giver in giving your life. And God, that we would always remember our why. That would always be so strong and so powerful and help us overcome anything that got in our way. So God, we just come today asking for more victory, Lord, that we would understand that you have given us victory. God, for those whose past continues to haunt them, Today would be a day of release. For God, for those who are struggling with purpose and wanting to know where to orient their life, today would be a day where they focus on you. God, for those who seem to be beaten down with negative thinking, with uh, the evil one coming at them, God, today would be a day they recognize where it's coming from. And God, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.